Good evening to our neighbors and listeners. Coming to you live from the 215 here in Germantown, you are listening to the award-winning InfoHub Hour with Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom Join. The InfoHub Hour is all about news and engagement in Germantown, and you can check out what's going on by visiting our website at www.germantowninfohub.org. So, for today's show, we are once again partnering with Kuvenda Media, who helped one mother in Philadelphia share her story about helping her son recover from a tragic shooting that almost took his life. The podcast is called Stronger Every Day, Healing After Gun Violence, where a mother talks about her experience, which hopefully will allow folks to understand that gun violence is not just a life or death situation. It is not just an interpersonal occurrence, and there are long-term battles and journeys that people have to go through after surviving a shooting, and when these incidents are no longer a part of the headlines. Hopefully, this story will bring some life to that. But before we play this podcast, we want to shout out to Sean Strother, the mother in this podcast, Kuvinda Media, and the Philadelphia Center for Gun Violence for helping to produce this. And then we also want to shout out the Stonely Foundation and the Independence Public Media Foundation for supporting this effort. We were supposed to have Tashawn on for today's show, but due to scheduling issues on my behalf, I wasn't able to fulfill the interview. So I apologize to that for the listeners who were looking forward to that. However, I did let her know that she is welcome to come on to the InfoHub Hour anytime to speak about the podcast. So without further ado, we want to present the second and last half of that podcast to our listeners and neighbors of Germantown. So, folks, this is Stronger Every Day, Healing After Gun Violence, Part 2. When I first met Dr. Beard, I didn't realize she was pregnant. But after a few months of getting to know her, I asked her about it. And we had some conversation about her getting ready to have a second child in the next couple of months. And that worried me because I knew she would go on maternity leave and I didn't want to lose her. It can be kind of anonymous for patients, you know, coming when you have a system where there needs to be 24-7 coverage. So honestly, his care took a lot out of me, I have to say, because it was something that was always there. Like, what's going to happen now? What are we going to have to deal with? And maybe that's also the shared experience, too. It's just obviously his mom's dedicated to him. I wouldn't necessarily compare us, but constantly, you know, watching out for him, trying to preempt any problems. Um, He was admitted to the hospital for a long time and many, many times. It's a lot of responsibility. But I think we're getting, you know, we're on the other side, which is why it's even possible, really, to have these conversations. You know, I mean, for me, at least we're on the other side. For him, it doesn't sound like we really are, or at least we're on a different journey, so... Yes, Walter was shot. Walter survived. And two years later, we're trying to still get to normalcy. So I guess when they're telling that story, I guess there's never any follow-up. And because we have so many gunshot victims, especially just right here in Philadelphia, I guess it's almost hard to, to follow up on each and every victim But I just feel like as far as the media goes, there needs to be, 
something said. Even with the documentaries that I see now, it just discusses people that were shot and, yeah, talking about gun control and controlling violence and how do we do all of those things because they have so many advocacy programs, gunshot victims advocacy programs where gunshot victims can go and talk about their experience. However, when you have patients that are still struggling with verbalizing what they've gone through, how do you help them? Because even though Walter is alive, I feel like I've lost my son. So I'm like, I know you're in there somewhere, just being able to pull it out of him. Like, that is the struggle that we're having now. What do you think about that, Dr. Beard? Well, I mean, I guess I would say things in your life change you, you know? And I don't know that Walter's going to be the exact same person that he was before, you know? And then maybe once his physical state is closer to how he was before, more independent than working on his emotional state as well, you know? Because I think it's hard to, like, it's impossible to quantify the emotional trauma that he's been through. And I just think, like... I think we have to be patient and wait for him to be ready to talk to us and offer support for him when he is, you know. So I guess that's one of the challenges that I'm facing with myself is not pushing him too much. I'm trying to find a balance where I'm not, I don't want to be a crutch and he never gets to where he needs to be. But I also am trying to, you know, work on my compassion because, you know, as a parent, you want to push your child to be all that they can be. So I'm just trying to work with that. Well, do you think mom's too uh, hard on you sometimes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about that? What would you... What can you say to me to help me understand what you're going through and what you need from me? Mm. What'd you say? I don't know. You don't know? So that (laughs) is pretty much what I get. But um, you are making great progress, Walt, and I don't want you to think that I don't see that and that I'm not acknowledging that and celebrating that with you because you definitely have come a long way. I just don't want you to stop. And I'm so proud that you fought so hard to get to the point you are now, but I need you to keep going. You can't stop. You got to keep pushing if you want to get back to Maybe not how you are be, were before, because I pray to God that he makes you better than you've ever been. But we have to keep moving forward and you can't stop. I know you get tired. I realize that because I get tired, too. But I just need you to keep pushing in the basic things that need to happen. I need you to work harder at doing those things so you can see 
for yourself. So how do you feel about your your progress so far in your recovery? Do you see differences? Are you how do you feel about your progress? Good. What makes you feel good? I'm making progress. What progress do you feel like you've accomplished? Mm, I don't know. You can't think of anything? What about just being able to go up and down the steps? Remember when you first started? You couldn't even walk up and down the steps. Mm -hmm. Now you can go to the door, you can go to the gate and pick up our food deliveries and all kinds of stuff. So that's pretty good, right? Those are accomplishments that you can be proud of. And then from there, you set goals to take and push yourself another step forward. So what what is something that you want to accomplish now that you're at this point? What's something that you could do to move yourself to another level? Okay, so we're not going to get a lot of conversation from Walt, but one thing I do know about Walter is um, he may not always have an answer now, but I believe he does listen. At least that's what he told my sister. I may not do everything you guys tell me at that moment, but I'm listening and I'm processing. So hopefully he's processing. I need people to realize that it's great when a victim pulls through from a gunshot wound, but it's not as simple as this victim was shot and lived. Because now, yeah, some people, they do, they are gunshot victims, and maybe next week they're up and moving around and life goes on and It doesn't affect your life, but that's not always the case. And when it causes so much bodily harm that you're almost having to start your life over, I don't know if that's the right terminology, but just being at a level where you're totally dependent on someone else to trying to get back to being independent. And I think that that might be harder or worse than being shot, trying to recover and get your life back. So it's not just as simple as a victim being shot and surviving. It's way more than that. It's way more than that for everyone involved, from medical staff to the victim and family. You know, it's a total journey, a total struggle. So 
when you're out there and, and you're committing these violent crimes, it's almost like, <laughs> do you want your family going through that? You know, maybe you shoot someone, you take a life. Maybe you shoot them, you don't take a life. But either way, you're affecting not just that person, you're affecting a community. Because I know, Dr. Beer, you have to be, I don't want to say consumed, but I know that seeing this constant flow of patients coming in through the emergency room as gunshot victims, it has to be wearing on you as a person. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely is wearing on you as a person, as uh, somebody who really dedicates their life to trying to help people who've been injured by gun violence. You know, they've done studies that have shown that a lot of trauma surgeons have PTSD. Basically, what we do is probably the closest that it comes to being kind of in an active combat zone. And at Temple, you know, we take care of people who've been shot at very high volume, sometimes more than one or two patients at a time can come in. I think we all are sort of part of part of this story and all of us sort of experience the trauma, so. I got a text message in the middle of the night from my job and there was an active shooter situation at Jefferson and I got that text at like 12.30 in the morning and I couldn't even go back to sleep that night because every time I hear about a gun victim or some type of shooting, whether it's on the streets of Philadelphia or just anywhere in our country, it just, it just wears on me because... I think before I thought about the fact that there was so much gun violence, but I guess just like with the news, I never really thought about the after effects. I feel like I was almost like the media. Okay, there was a gunshot victim and they lived like, whew, they lived. But what does that mean? You know what I mean? What does it mean to live? Do they live like they lived before? Are are they living? Are they vegetables? Are they in a wheelchair? It's it's just very devastating that the people that the family, the community is it's almost like it's deteriorating one by one from all of these <sighs> all of these tragedies that are going on in our world it's like i don't even know we talk about gun violence what we can do we talk about the effects of poverty and why people do the things that they do I don't even know <laughs> where you start to even touch on it. 
it's like, I don't know if just like me, I didn't think about everything that happened after that victim was shot. The victim was shot. He lived. Oh, yay. You know, but now being a part of all of that that has gone on and I guess it's being more informed. It's really heartbreaking, not just for my son, but for all involved. I totally agree. I think, you know, the way that we kind of tell these short stories about gun violence in the media or the way violence is sort of normalized and outside of media, those things are all sort of part of the the way that the public and individuals can just sort of somehow look past gun violence. I feel like so much of part of my job is to tell what it's like to be on the front lines of this too, right? Like rather than just kind of quietly coming to work and dealing with it, like we need to be outraged by it too, you know, and we need to not normalize it. Although on the day to day, we kind of have to. And it's hard. I mean, it's emotionally challenging to not normalize it, right? I'm looking back over this time and when my son Walter was shot and I'm just looking at the news and I'm seeing that there's so much gun violence in our city and there are a great number of deaths, but there are a greater number of people that have been shot and are recovering. Um, I guess when I look back at the moment that this happened, because you see on TV, you see on in the movies, you see on the news and they talk about people that have been shot. And then you see a lot of times people are shot and they recover instantly. It's like they may have been shot this week and maybe two weeks later, you know, they are better. So I guess that is kind of like, it puts a picture in your mind. And when reality sets in, it tells a whole nother story. I don't enjoy watching the local news. I don't want to. And like you said, whenever I hear these horrible stories about gunshot victims or like, it takes me back to that night. I think about the families. I think about, oh no, like whoever this just happened to, they're about to go through what we went through that night. And that's not, I don't wish that on anybody. And um, at some point I was just afraid for Walter even to go out. I'm like, oh, I don't want him to go out. Sure, don't, you know, I probably didn't say it, but I didn't, I didn't even want him to go out even when he was home. Like I was so afraid for him, you know, just, I don't know. Like, I, it's just afraid. I just, it's afraid. Like, if I'm around too many people, it, it makes me nervous. Like, it's just, I didn't necessarily feel that way before. You know? It definitely can paralyze you. I know when I just even hear sirens going past, it's almost like your body just gets stiff. 
<sighs> I don't go out a lot. <laughs> I don't even want to. Some days I think I probably need to get out the house. I work from home. I'm always home. But I don't know. I might go out, go to the store, run some quick errands. Or if we have, you know, something social between our friends. But outside of that, I, I'm good with being at home. I, I don't want to be out and about like that. Because you see, you can be anywhere and just get shot for no reason. And then COVID on top of that, but, <laughs> you know. That didn't help. Walter has come a long way. And so have we as a family, just in our healing process and trying to be there for him. We went to the basketball court. He was doing some shots. And he was walking. I said, well, you actually have to... um, run after the ball, you know, when you throw it and you need to catch it. So he did a little jog. I was excited about that. He's definitely getting better. And that's just a great milestone. I just want to fix it for Walter. I just want to know what's going on. And like the other day when I talked to him, I think he said that he was bored. And I said, well, I said, well, whatever you want to do. I said, write down, you know, some things you want to do and let's just try to do it. I just really hope that um, Walter decides to kind of open up and um, be a part because, I mean, it's his story. Of course, I'm living in that story, but I would just really like him to just have a conversation and kind of talk about it and maybe be able to encourage someone else that may have gone through a similar situation. You know, you hear about people getting shot and you don't hear about it again, they survive. And then you hear about people that were shot seven, eight, nine times. And two weeks later, they're walking around, the bullet went in, the bullet went out. And, you know, all of those different things. It's just mind boggling. One gunshot to the stomach can change your life. I mean, I don't want to say for years, because I'm sure that this is a life-changing experience for him and he'll take it with him throughout life. I don't think he'll let it get him down per se. He's a little depressed and he's still trying to find his way. But I just keep saying, I think that, you know, God doesn't give us more than what we can handle. And sometimes what breaks us down lifts us up and puts us where we need to be in life. So that's my thought on that for Walter. And I just keep praying that, you know, God didn't bring him this far to leave him. And 
he's lost some years. He's lost some time. He's lost some experience. The experience of um, really being a father and being able to interact. Walter loves children. So it kind of like breaks my heart that, you know, he can't do all of the things that he would like to do with his children. And he doesn't say much, but he did say that. So that spoke volumes to me. So I think that is one of the things that weighs on him heavily. I feel like I have come a long way from where I started. And I wanted to get better so I can play with my sons and pick them up and teach them sports. As you might be able to tell, we recorded the conversations for this podcast over Zoom. Walter was there for some of them, but he didn't say much, even when I asked him pointed questions. We ended up giving him those questions to answer on his own time, however he wanted to do it, if he even wanted to do it at all. It ended up happening at our house with Tanya, his girlfriend. They had sports on in the background while they recorded a voice memo together on my phone. I was so proud of Walter and amazed that he answered those questions so clearly and thoughtfully. What have you accomplished? I can eat, cook, watch by myself, take out the trash, talk, go on walks, and hang out with my friends and family. I feel like I'm constantly navigating between being supportive and encouraging Walter and pushing him to keep going. I don't know whether it's fear or if it's conditioning from being in the bed for so long, but he doesn't seem to have the confidence or motivation to do all the things he did before. I don't think it's fair. I just think that... um... I just need to start um, getting back to my old self. So what are some of the things you're going to do to get back to your old self? I don't know. No, you got to know. What's some things that, what's the things that you love to do that make you want to get up every day and go? I want to start working again. Okay, when you start working again, that's good. What do you want to do when you go back to work? I don't know. Just make some money. So I could help out um, Tanya and Zabir and and, and um, Gabe and Alyssa. Okay. Um, What do you what do you want to do for us work? Do you want to be in a kitchen? You want to cook? What do you want to do for work? Want to cook? Are you having any feelings about your progress? Yes, I'm happy. Becoming healthy and stronger every day. It's just so much, and I just think that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So I think we'll all be stronger after this. And I just wish that I could, um, you know, help someone else to make it. That's it. That's all I got.
After dealing with everything that comes along with being shot and surviving, and everything Walter and I and our family have gone through, seeing the statistics on murder and violence, it breaks my heart. During 2021, there were 562 homicides in Philadelphia, and the vast majority were fatal shootings. Nearly 500 people were shot and killed. More than 1,800 others were shot and survived. I pray for those families, for their loss, and those who are surviving, like Walter and me. Stronger Every Day, Healing After Gun Violence is a collaboration between the Philadelphia Center for Gun Violence Reporting and Covenda Media with additional support from the Stonely Foundation. Through PCGVR's Credible Messenger Journalism Project, the Credible Messenger Initiative pairs community reporters affected by gun violence, like me, with journalists and more traditional news organizations who guide story production and distribution, and equitably compensates us for our participation in the project. This podcast was produced by me, Tashawn Struther, along with Emily Previty and Stephanie Marutis of Cuvenda Media and mixed by Brad Linder. Special thanks to my family, Dr. Jessica Beard and Jim McMillan. Thanks to everyone who listened to Walter's story. I hope you can take away something that either helps you to help someone else or just to let you know that you are not alone. It's a hard situation when you're dealing with death and violence. So thank you and be safe. That was the second half of Stronger Every Day. If you missed the first half of the podcast, we do encourage you to visit kuvindamedia.com. And we also encourage folks to follow Kuvindamedia at Kuvindamedia on Twitter. So for the last portion of our show, I will be giving a small reporter roundup that will highlight just the family-friendly activities happening in and around this 2022 summer season. So we know the kiddos are out, which means that they need to be entertained. They need to be kept busy. These are some events that parents and caretakers looking for low cost and free fun for the family this summer around the neighborhood can look forward to. First up, we have Sunday Fun Days at Albury Arboretum. Every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., the farm at Albury at 6336 Artley Street hosts a Sunday Fun Day for the entire family. So while the farm is regularly open to the public during the week, Sundays include extra activities so some families can tour the farm, take a wellness class, take a gardening workshop, shop for some artisan goods, and they can even see goats and chickens. And then the last Sunday fun day will actually be in October on October 30th, but there is no registration required for this event. So check it out. Next up is the Mappening is Happening at Maplewood Mall. And so this is actually happening this Saturday as well. 
But every last Saturday of the month, the Friends of Maplewood Mall hosts about six hours of fun for the community, and every mapping features live music, some vendors, and arts and crafts from, from about noon to 6 p.m. So past mappings have included two-hour open mic slots from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. And at the same time, families can support the businesses that inhabit the Strip. And so families can access Maplewood Mall on Armat Street from either the Green Street or Germantown Avenue side. Next up is the movie screenings in the park. So families can gather their snacks, blankets, and lawn chairs, and they can head to a local park this summer to watch a free movie screen by the Fairmount Park Conservancy and the Philadelphia Parks and Recreation. The movie titles and their respective locations include Encanto on Thursday, June 23rd, that's today, at 8 p.m. at London Park at Abbotsford Ave and Germantown Ave. The next movie that folks can watch is Encanto for a second time. If you missed it the first time, not too far from the first location on Thursday, July 2nd at 8 p.m., but that's going to be at Fern Hill Park at 4600 Morris Street. And then the last movie that the families can watch is The Wiz. That's going to be on Thursday, September 22nd at 630 at Gilbert Stewart Park at 5132 Germantown Avenue. Not necessarily in the summer, but still something to look forward to. But there's no registration required for that event. Another thing that you can do with the family and with the kids specifically is to take them swimming. So while the city did announce that there was a lifeguard shortage, which will impact the opening of public swimming pools around the city, some in the area are opening for the season. But before you visit any site, I would definitely check the city's web tool that will tell you if a pool is open and what the hours of operation are. But a list of neighborhood pools that are offering a place to cool down this summer are Pleasant Playground at 6720 Boyer Street. That actually opens today. Um, Alberry Playground at 6101 Artley Street. That opens next week on June 28th. And then on the week of July 4th, Lonnie Young Recreation Center um, at 1100 East Shelton, Shelton Avenue will open as well. I also encourage people to make a trip to those community fridges. So my thinking here is whether you're taking from the fridges or you're putting items in them, the community fridges are really just a great way to teach mutual aid and community care to children, right? So there are currently three fridges in Germantown and they all have their own set of guidelines. I did a story on that before, so you can check out germantowninfohub.org for those um, to just see what items you can give to the fridge. And each fridge is accessible 24 seven and there's no limit on what you can take and give. So locations for the fridges include 5424 Alina Street, that's ran by Archive 215. And then the other two are at 20 West Armat Street and 19 East High Street. And then those are actually ran by Germantown Community Fridge, our friend Jane over there. And then I also encourage people to check out the Joseph E. Coleman Library, right? So the Coleman Library is really a kid-friendly space as much as it is a book haven. And the library hosts a variety of activities throughout the year for children and youth of all different ages. And the summer is really no exception. And so you can visit their website for a full list of activities and specific details. But 
Some of the activities include baby story time at Vernon Park on Tuesdays at 1030. Those are usually for people ages newborn to age two. And then preschool story time at Vernon Park on Thursdays at 1030 a.m. That's usually from like three to five. Um, well, ages three to five, excuse me. Board games and puzzles on most Fridays starting at 11 a.m. That's going to end on August 12th. And then there's a tween book club reading of Manana Land. And that's usually for um, people who are ages 8 to 12. And lastly, I do want to encourage people to just tap into the Philly Children's Movement. We had them on the radio a few weeks back, about a, maybe a month ago or so. Um, but the Philly Children's Movement is based in the Northwest section of Philadelphia. And they're a collective of families and educators that center on racial justice through talking, playing, and learning. So the Philadelphia Children's Movement is, well, they have an online toolkit of activities and resources like books, music, and more that will really just help you explore race and identity with your kids. And so the Philly Children's Movement also launched a little library, which is a community library for youth that centers on content by the people of marginalized backgrounds. And that radical little library is actually right next to the Armat Street Community Fridge, outside of the Green Street Friends School across the street from Maplewood Mall. Um, so yeah, you can visit www.phillychildrensmovement.org for the toolbox, other resources, and just some possible upcoming events that the Philly Children's Movement will be a part of. And well, Germantown, it is about that time for me. And if you have a story that you want to hear covered, I would encourage you to please contact us at gtown.infohub at gmail.com, or you can text infohub to 73224 to start asking us some questions. Additionally, the Germantown Info Hub will actually be on a break starting this Friday, June 24th, and then we will return after Independence Day on Tuesday, July 5th. However, we will have a newsletter for the week of July 27th still go out. But if you have anything of use to our neighbors for Germantown next week, I do ask that you send them to my email at rashid at resolvephilly.org by tomorrow. And you can also reach Maleka and myself by email all next week. But I will say that you should, again, expect a delay until we return to the office. And additionally, we encourage listeners to text the Equally Informed Philly text line, which is another program under Resolve Philly which allows Philadelphians to gain access to information regarding Philadelphia resources. Equally Informed Philly is a direct response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and their team works hard to bridge the information divide, reducing barriers for vulnerable residents who need trustworthy information to live and thrive in Philadelphia. They also invest deeply in underestimated voices and community storytellers. Equally Informed provides a community-driven print newsletter and the Equal Info line, which is a free bilingual English and Spanish question and answer texting service that also provides vetted local news and resources to subscribers. And to start asking them some questions, you can text equal info to 73224. And before we sign off, I just want to share two more resources that have been helping the communities heal from traumatic effects of gun violence. So Equally Informed Philly also runs Equally Informed Survivors Text Line, which is centered around the gun violence crisis in Philadelphia. And so by texting survivors to 73224 instead, 
You can be connected with free resources, community efforts and solutions, and local solutions focused reporting. And so again, that is equally informed survivors text line. And you can text survivors to 73224 to start receiving some resources. In addition to that, we encourage folks to visit uptheblock.org. And so Up the Block is a free guide to the tools, resources, and people who you can navigate um, your Philadelphia community. And especially if you or people that you know have been affected by gun violence. That project was created and maintained by The Trace, which is a nonprofit newsroom, and they're dedicated to covering gun violence, and it was designed and built by Upstatement. And on the website, you can access resources by both neighborhood and category, and you can even print out a directory of the 31 participating organizations that provide resources around the city which centers gun violence. And again, that is www.uptheblock.org, and you can follow them on Instagram at uptheblockphl. And that is about it. I am Rashida Jamu, aka Philly's Freedom John. And I just want to say thank you to our neighbors for listening and engaging as always. And thank you to Kuvinda Media and to Sean Strother for this week's airing of Stronger Every Day. Until next time, happy Pride, happy Juneteenth, happy summer, and good night, Germantown. <laughs>